You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Combate Cast, presented by BetDSI. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Alikas to break down this Friday's Combate 46 event, which takes place in Tucson, Arizona. Nick creates the opening betting odds for Combate events, so he'll break down the eight pro fights on this card, providing extensive analysis and a pick for those fights after doing film study for the event. Combate 46's main card will air live on TV networks Univision and TUDN, with live streaming of the undercard on Facebook Watch this Friday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking off the first professional fight on the card is a flyweight contest between Humberto Duarte, who is making his professional debut, and Jesus Rivas, who is 1-3. Now, Nick, where did you open this fight, and how has the public shifted things so far? I opened Duarte minus 215, the comeback on Revis at plus 165. Right now, looking over at the Donbass screen, market price on the screen right now is about minus 175 for Duarte, the comeback on Revis at plus 145. So line margins have tightened up a little bit. More action coming in on the dog early on, at least at this stage. Got to say, I'm impressed, man. A lot of people aren't looking just on paper right now, looking at the resume. I mean, Revis has a 1-3 record. Duarte, of course, making his pro debut. So just that alone, a lot of times, Duarte is going to be the more intriguing side. But the betters weren't fooled. There's obviously people out there that did their research, did their homework before they came in and bet these fights. Um, and hats off to you because I think you did come in on the value side, at least early on. But I'll get into the matchup right now. I mean, as I mentioned, Duarte is kind of the prospect here. He's uh, 0-0 as a pro. He's making his pro debut. He had a 4-3 and amateur record, if I'm not mistaken. But if you look a little bit closer, what I'm impressed about is out of his last five, he won four out of those five. So he's definitely coming on stronger as of late. And it's a good time for him to be making his pro debut because I do think that he's ready. And he's an Apex MMA trained local fighter. So he's going to be the one that the fans are uh, behind a little bit more. Of course, Rivas is also from Arizona, but I think, again, uh, Duarte is going to be a little bit more of the hometown guy here in this spot. Um, so a lot to like about Duarte. I mean, he's got some speed and decent movement standing up. Striking skills okay. He mixes in kicks pretty decent. He does look for takedowns, and once he gets on top, he obviously looks for submissions as well. So he's got a complete game. Um, he looks to grind you out a little bit. He's got some speed. He's got some power, um, and he's a pretty solid up-and-coming fighter for sure, but he's going to be in for a solid test. That's why everybody's coming in a little bit early on betting the dog and Revis here in this spot. Revis is very underrated. I mean, honestly, his, he's much better than his record indicates. If you're watching him on film, I mean, the guy definitely has some skill. He's got some speed. He's got some power. He's a little bit dangerous on the feet because he's a bit of a wild man as well. And a lot of his losses, if you're looking at how kind of they come about, it's basically by him eventually getting put on his back and get taking some damage or getting submitted as well. So that's how he's been losing his fights a lot of times. So I think with Revis, he's more of a front runner. And as a fight progresses, what I don't like about him is he does tend to make enough mistakes and kind of leaves openings for his opponents to take advantage and, and get the W's over him. So that's the problem with Revis. It's not that he doesn't have the offensive skill. It's, I think, it's at times fight IQ. And as a fight progresses, he does tend to make those mistakes. And I think that's what's going to happen in this fight as well. I think Revis is going to... 
be more than handling his own early on in this fight. But as the fight progresses, I think Duarte is going to be the more consistent fighter. He's going to be the one that's going to end up in top position, and he's going to be the one doing a little bit more damage along the way. I think he probably finds a finish um, before it hits the scorecards, but if he doesn't, I think he steals two out of three rounds and gets the W here as well. So I understand it's a dogger pass situation according to the betting odds for sure because I think Revis is going to put up a much tougher fight um, than most people, I guess, were going to anticipate from Duarte, but I still think Duarte finds a way to get it done, so I'm going to pick him to win. Now, moving on to a 140-pound women's catchweight fight, we have a pair of ladies making their professional debuts. Lucero Acosta is 1-0 and as an amateur, and Valerie Quintero is 4-0 as an amateur. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Quintaro, I opened minus 175, the comeback on Acosta at plus 135. And right now, looking over at the Donbass screen, we are seeing minus 175 for Quintaro Acosta coming in at plus 145. So line margins have tightened up. There is two-way action coming into this fight. Not any movement early on. I think a lot of people that bet the last couple ladies fights off and on the last few combate cards, um, they came in and they won on one card, and then they came and got burned on the next. So I think they're being a little bit cautious with this ladies' matchup, especially because there's not a lot of information out there on these two. I mean, they're making their pro debuts, as Brian mentioned. So as amateurs, you could dig as much as you can and try to find out um, what, you, you know, do as best as possible and, and try to find out what you can about each one of these ladies. So that's exactly what I did. We're going to start off with Acosta first. Um, obviously, she's 0-0 at making her pro debut, as I mentioned. 1-0 as an amateur. Um, what I like about her is, I mean, she does have a good frame for weight class. Um, she's going to be a little bit longer than Quatero on this spot here. She's got that killer instinct on the feet. She's got that finishing ability, but she is still developing um, as a fighter overall. So again, I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of question marks in my opinion, how she'll do on the ground, um, how she's going to be able to right now. She's basically been going out there and just destroying her opponents because the one fight that's available out there, she's, you know, it wasn't, didn't last all that long or whatnot. She went out there and dominated. So um, with Quintaro, there's a lot more to like because she is a little bit more established. Um, she had, she was 4-0 undefeated as an amateur, so she had a little bit more experience out there. Um, and then looking at some of the footage that's out there with her, she's strong, she's aggressive, she has a striking background. She has got decent hands. I mean, they're accurate. She's got power behind them as well. What I like about her is she does have some good ground awareness. I mean, she's capable to get out of bad spots on the ground. She scrambles decent as well. So she's farther ahead of Acosta from at least what I gather at this point, and I think she's the rightful favorite. And I expect her to probably get the job done. But again, the wild card is not knowing quite enough about Acosta here in this spot. And what I do know, this is going to be a firefight. This is going to be fun. Both of these ladies come to stand and bang and, and get it done. I think we're going to see an eventual takedown from Quintero. And I think she's possibly going to win this fight on the ground if she does win it. But while it stays standing, I think we're going to see a lot of good stuff. And this could realistically go back and forth. Again, not a lot of information on Acosta, more so than Quintero. But this should be a great fight. I'm going to pick Quintero. I understand why there's not a lot of betting action coming in because this is a really a tricky one to bet. So be cautious out there if you are betting this fight. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Raymond Pena, who is eight and four, taking on Michael Robertson, who is seven and five. Now, Nick, where did you open this fight and how has the public shifted things so far? I opened Pena minus 270, the comeback on Robertson at plus 200. And right now what we're seeing at the Donbass screen is minus 300 on Pena, the comeback on Robertson at plus 240. So line margins have tightened up a little bit more action coming in Pena's way. Pena also getting thrown into parlays for sure. This is a tough one. I'll tell you what. I mean, this is a good fight. Both of these guys, obviously very experienced fighters. Um, they have a lot of 
good experience throughout their track record, especially Pena. I think he's fought higher level competition. He's fought the likes of Burley, Stewart, um, McClintock, a lot of good fighters. If you're looking through his uh, resume um, that he's competed against that have been on the big stage at times or bigger stages as well. So there's a lot to like about Pena and what he does bring to the table in this matchup is a wrestle heavy game plan i mean that's what he does best he comes in and he tries to grind his opponents out so i understand why people coming on the wrestler early on i mean it's hard not to like wrestlers stylistically in, in matchups like this robertson though is a pretty good fighter in his own right i mean usually he's fighting at middleweight so this is at 170 pounds so he's fought at middleweight he's fought actually higher than middleweight in the past as well so he's going to be a powerhouse coming into this fight um now that he's fighting again at welterweight he's a big puncher he also has some wrestling to go along with it as well so uh, this is going to be an interesting matchup because if robertson can keep the fight upright i mean pina typically speaking he doesn't want any part of uh, the stand-up game he usually um goes in closes that distance and looks for the takedowns immediately and he just kind of grinds you out and goes after it looking for ground on a pound, looking for the submissions, looking for just a decision win on the scorecards. I mean, he's just a true grinder. And again, high-level competition that he's faced. Robertson, on the other hand, he's more of your powerhouse. He's going to stand and bang with you a little bit, try to knock your head off. If he can't do that, he does shoot. He has a pretty good uh, double-leg takedown, and he's got good timing uh, with those as well. Um, He's more of a ground and pound type of finisher, though, than he is like a sub practitioner. So that's a little bit more where Pena might look for a sub on the ground. Robertson would look more to finish you by ground and pound. That's what I've noticed as far as the ground game differences. And I think Pena is ahead of the curve, ahead of Robertson, at least at this point on the ground. And I think that is going to be his path to victory. And that's obviously why he's favored in this fight as well. So where the line is now at three to one, I wouldn't recommend a bet on Pena. I think Robertson is going to be game and capable of pulling off this upset win. So you got guys definitely have to be cautious in this fight. It's probably a dog or pass situation where it stands now, but I do understand why everybody came in that way. And I, again, as a pure pick, I got to go with Pena. I think he does probably get this fight to the floor and find a way to win it either on the scorecards or inside the distance before the fight gets done. Now dropping down to the Bantamweight division, we have Orlando Jimenez, who is two and zero. Oh taking on Guillermo Torres, who is 3-0. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Torres, I opened minus 300. The comeback on Jimenez, plus 220. And right now, looking over the Don Best screen, we've had some action coming in on this fight. Everybody coming in on Jimenez over Torres. The line right now is currently Torres, minus 140 across the Don Best screen. We're going to say consensus is about minus 145. So we're going to say minus 145 for Torres to come back on Jimenez at plus 125. So line dropped from minus 300 Torres to minus 145 right now. The significant drop in all what it is really. I mean, I think that I did open the line obviously a little bit too high. Um, that's why the public and sharper accounts came in and hit Jimenez, but this is a wrestler versus wrestler, grappler versus grappler type of matchup. And they're smart to come in on the dog in some ways. Now I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate here in a lot of ways, because I think this is a great matchup and you have two high level guys, obviously undefeated. This is a tremendous fight for combate and two really good high caliber, pro- high caliber prospects fighting a bandit weight here um, that can go really a long way. So starting off with Orlando Jimenez, I mean, he's a wrestler, grappler, BJJ guy. I mean, um, he's got that kind of wrestler's build, that wrestler's frame. Um, he's a powerhouse. He trains with Dominic Cruz and Alliance MMA. Um, he's got some decent uh, amateur experience as well. He fights usually at featherweight, so he's going to be strong. And he, this is, again, a bantamweight, so he's dropping down. So there's a lot to like about him, um, definitely. But there's also a lot to like about Torres, or Memo as they call him. I mean, this guy is definitely a stud in his own right. He's got a wrestling background. That's his strength as well. He knows how to use it. Um, he's a very smooth grappler. 
But what I like about him too is also on the feet where Jimenez, I think, is still developing and getting a little bit better. I think that Memo is actually, uh, Torres is a little bit ahead of that, the curve again, ahead of Jimenez in the stand-up game. And he actually, um, will have the dangerous slugging ability on the feet here to do, to cause a lot of damage and problems for Jimenez in this fight here. So Jimenez is one shoot and shoot often to try to put Torres on his back because on the feet, I think Torres is going to be slugging it out and wanting to do some damage and then possibly get in top position on the ground as well. So, I mean, this is going to be a great fight and it's going to come down to, I think, who can control and who can do enough damage away and get the W here. So even though I understand the action coming in on Jimenez because he might end up getting top position, especially early on in this fight, I think it's going to be closer early on. But as this fight progresses again i think torres is going to find openings i think torres is going to be the one doing a little bit more damage and i think torres is going to kind of sway things his way as the fight goes and take over and win this fight possibly inside the distance if not i think he wins two out of three rounds as well so despite all the early action coming on the dog and me understanding it i think where it's at right now i'm jumping on the other side i'm going to go torres i mean like i said wrestler versus wrestler matchup i like the the striking aspect i think torres is ahead of jimenez here it could be wrong but from what i've seen thus far I think Torres is a side, so I'm going to get on myself. So I recommend out there to not go crazy, but Torres is worth looking at for sure. Now dropping down to the flyweight division, we have Jao Camilo, who is five and three, taking on Jamie Alvarez, who is eight and one. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? I opened Alvarez minus 600, the comeback on Camilo at plus 400. And right now looking over at the Donbass screen, we are seeing Alvarez about minus 610, the comeback plus 455. So line margins have tightened up a little bit. There is more action coming in Alvarez's way. He's getting thrown in parlays as well. And that's a little bit of disrespect for Camillo. I mean, I think Camillo is a very good fighter. He's a very solid fighter. But that tells you what kind of matchup and how tough of a fight he's into up for against Alvarez. I mean, Alvarez is just a stud. He's 8-1 overall as a professional. He's he's a tough 24 veteran, so he's been in the Ultimate Fighter before. He's a Dana White Contender Series veteran as well. He actually won on the Contender Series as a, um, a win over Martin Day, who, which is uh, in the UFC as well. So honestly, I'm not sure how he's not in the UFC or on roster right now, um, Jamie Alvarez. I think he definitely belongs. Um, the guy's a stud fighter. I mean, I think he could definitely pull off a lot of quality wins um, in that flyweight division, but that might be the case. We're not sure what's going on exactly with the UFC flyweight division. So, you know, that could be the reason why he's not on roster right now. But that said, he's in for a great fight against Camillo here, and this should be what I expect another war and another great matchup here. So getting into the fight, I mean, obviously, Jamie Alvarez, like I said, um, he's got all that experience against quality, high-level competition, and he knows how to use um, every bit of it. As far as his stand-up skill goes, he has very good, clean striking. He's got the ability to hurt you on the feet. I love the way this guy wrestles and mixes everything in. He chains everything together well with his grappling. He's just a well-put-together capable fighter in all aspects of the game. That's why I think, I mean, he could do some good things regardless of the promotion that he's in. So this was a great pickup from Kabate here for sure. Um, he's aggressive, but at the same time, he keeps that technical aspect in his game as well. But if there's any flaw to his game, Alvarez does tend to slow down a little bit and he's hittable and he does take some damage. So, I mean, there is some flaws to his game for sure, but offensively, man, the guy is a gem and he's fun to watch fight. Camillo, on the other hand, I mean, he's listed as a BJJ fighter, um, a purple belt and a jiu-jitsu, I believe, but really he's more of a wild aggressive, dangerous fighter, standing or on the ground. I mean, he's very strong um, and effective leg kicks he throws at you, and he's just a powerhouse when he does start landing and trying to kind of take your head off a bit. Now, he has gotten a little bit more 
positive training as of late. He's been training, I believe, more so in Arizona. Um, he's a, he recently fought in the LFA as, as well. And if you're looking at that fight, he actually took that fight on very short notice and competed against a stud. It showed a lot of heart. I mean, he ended up after just an onslaught and just rough going early on in that fight. He showed a lot of heart and ended up um, fight of it. If you check it out, what I'm talking about again, it's available at LFA 73. So he's been in high level competition as well. He's an experienced vet. He's going to be ready to fight. He's going to put on a, a great performance. I think against Alvarez in this spot, cause he's a tough dude. Um, the problem with Camillo is he does get so aggressive at times that he makes those mistakes. He gets his kicks caught, for example, and gets put on his back. And then once he gets put on his back, I think that he gets himself in uh, some trouble. So he's capable of making those type of mistakes as the fight goes on against high-level competition, and you cannot afford to do that against a guy like Jamie Alvarez. Jamie Alvarez will make him pay for it. So that's why I do think this is going to be competitive again, but there's going to be a time where this fight just kind of changes complexion altogether, and Alvarez is going to take over, and Alvarez is going to probably get the fight done. So that's why you're seeing such a high line. I think this will be better than the line currently indicates as far as competitiveness goes, but eventually I think you're going to see the level um, that Alvarez is above Camillo as the fight progresses. So I like Alvarez in this spot. I will be surprised if he loses, and that's why, again, you're seeing some of the action go his way. I still think you know he's capable. You guys might want to throw him in a parlay or two, um, and if your book allows mixed parlays with football or whatnot the case as well, then it might be a fun thing to do for something small um, for a fun parlay type of material. But other than that, I think this is going to be a great fight, but I'm going to pick Alvarez to win. Now, moving back up to the women's bantamweight division, we have Paula Ramirez, who is one and two, taking on Marilia Fanta, who is three and zero. Oh. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers' perspective on this one? Up at Phantom Race, minus 260, the comeback of Ramirez at plus 190. And right now, looking over at the Don Best screen, we're seeing Phantom Race at minus 255, the comeback plus 205. So line marks have tightened up a little bit, and there is two action coming into this fight. Not nothing crazy. I think it's another spot where it's another difficult ladies matchup here, and it's going to be another tremendous ladies matchup. Kabata has been doing a really good job about that as well. I think they're finding um, and well-matched ladies fights that, I mean, these ladies are just bringing it. I mean, there's definitely high-level performances that they're putting on because I mean, we're seeing some exciting fights, and this is going to be another one because both of these ladies like to stand and bang as well. Getting into Phantom Race first, I guess, because she's a little bit more of the hyped one. She's the favorite, obviously, coming into this fight. She's got a kickboxing, striking background. She's uh, obviously more of a striking stylist overall has already been in some wars in her young career. I mean, she's 3-0 and as a professional, um, but if you look back at some of the footage, I mean, she's, she loves to exchange and, and get into those uh, just crazy wild type of wars. So she's loved the pocket exchange with you. She's willing to take it and to dish out even more punishment. I mean, so she's definitely a warrior in that aspect. She's got vicious body kicks. Um, and if you look at it, she's, you know, I think the ground game is definitely a question mark still. She's developing a ground game, but she even has a guillotine choke on her resume. So there's evidence there of a ground game as well to go along with it. So Phantom Race is definitely an up-and-coming undefeated prospect in the bandwidth division that we got to keep her eye out for, for sure. Because I think, again, the way she goes about kind of her viciousness and the, her finishing abilities is kind of fun to watch. But she's going up against Ramirez here, who I think is a very talented fighter in her own right. If you're looking at her resume on paper, again, she's one and two um, as a professional, but she's better than her current record indicates as well. She's, she's a very aggressive, experienced fighter. She pushes forward, um, throwing strong leather. Um, she throws nice one, two combos as well. So her boxing is really on point. I actually, this is kind of more of your boxing versus kickboxing type of matchup here. In, in my opinion, because you're going to have the boxing of Ramirez going up against the kicking game of Phantom race. So that's interesting as well. Cause I think boxing wise, Ramirez definitely has the edge there. So this is going to be, again, a, I think a, 
a fun fight for all of us to watch as well as it progresses and we'll see how it plays out plays out overall so i think Ramirez is the type of fighter that if you're looking at what she's accomplished overall, she was four and one as an amateur. Um, and she showed a little bit of ability to strike on the feet there as well and get the fight obviously to the floor when she needs to. She's going to be more of the brawler in this matchup. She's not going to be the one that has a little bit more of the technical edge. I think that goes to Marais as well. So going to really come down to, I think, who's going to be the tougher, the more gritty fighter in this matchup. And, and I think that both of these ladies kind of fit that bill, but. I'm going to go with Marais. I think Phantom Race is going to do a little bit more damage along the way and what should be a very competitive, probably more so than the line indicates. So it is probably a dog or pass situation because I think, again, Ramirez is going to be more than game in this matchup. And I certainly would not lay the chalk. So in a way, I'm surprised that the dog has not got bit down a little bit. But again, I think it's a little bit more so the hype around Phantom Race. A lot of people are expecting some good things from her. And I wouldn't be surprised if she does you know, show us some of that in this fight here. So I'm going to pick Phantom Race to win, but it's certainly a dog or pass situation. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening, Anthony Burchak, who is 14 and six, taking on Eric Redlime, who is four and four. Now, Nick, where did you open this fight and how has the public shifted things so far? I open Burchak minus 1750, the comeback on Redlime at plus 750. Right now, what we're seeing over at the Donbass screen is Burchak, Minus 1220, the consensus right now, plus 805 for Redlim on the other side. So line marks have tightened up a little bit. There are 1500s out there, some 1700s as well. So we're right basically between 12 to 1700, around minus 1400 or so for Burchek. And you know what? I had opened this line sky high, obviously. I mean, Redlim is coming in. He's stepping in on short notice. This is a catch weight of 140 pounds. So we should say that from the rip as well. Um, hats off to him for stepping in against a, an experienced, tough veteran like Burchek. We all know, I mean, he's a rising vet. He's obviously a UFC veteran. I mean, he's fought all over the place, has high caliber experience, and he's won um, in those organizations as well. So really he should be a cl- class above Radlam Burchek at the point I mean he, he's just a tremendous fighter overall he's got that obviously the wrestling background that he loves to take the fight to the floor but not just that in this matchup here obviously I think he could do well on the feet Burchek has knockout power and he showed the ability to just kind of go after it on the feet and, and does some real good things there as well but I think he's a better grappler in this matchup I think he's a better striker in this matchup I just think he's the better fighter in this matchup so that's why the line is where it is Radlam again Hats off to him for stepping in against a tough matchup like Burchek here. And he does have some good striking, so he's not out of it. He definitely has a puncher's chance. He's powerful. He's accurate. He's got some decent footwork, and I think it's going to show early on. I think people are going to be somewhat surprised. Um, he does have a little bit of uh, takedown defense to go along with it, so I think uh, he – in most cases, is capable of stuffing his opponents and keeping the fight at bay a little bit, keeping it upright. But against Burchek, I don't think he's going to be able to do that. So I think that's what's going to be um, obviously hit the downfall to his game as the fight progresses, especially him coming in on short notice. Even if he's doing fairly well again early on, I think Burchek is going to eventually get that takedown, get position, either him out on the ground or submit him as well. So that's the path to victory for Burchek. We all know that's how it probably plays out. So if Radlam can't get him out of there early on in the first couple minutes, I think it's going to be shortly after that that Burchek does get it done. So Burchek is the way to go. It's hard to bet him, obviously, at over 10 to 1, and you just stay away from it, kind of watch this fight and see how it plays out, and hopefully it's an exciting one, which I think it will be. Um, but Burchek definitely gets the win here. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening, also in the bantamweight division, we have Joby Sanchez, who is 12 and 5, taking on Jose Alde, who is 13, 4 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers' perspective on this one? 
Another great fight. Sanchez open minus 130 all day. Even money. Minus 130 to even money. And right now what we're seeing over at the Donbest screen currently is consensus at minus 150 all day. The comeback on Sanchez plus 130. Line flipped. So it went from me opening Sanchez as a favorite to the public and sharp action coming in on Alde, flipping the line, and now he is the betting favorite in his spot. I like it. I, I understand it. I mean, Alde getting that kind of respect over a, a proven UFC veteran like Sanchez, which has competed fairly well in his UFC career and on the Dana White Contender Series as well, LFA veteran. I mean, there's a lot to like about Sanchez um, in his career. And, and again, he typically has been fighting at flyweight, though, and this is up in weight. So right off the rip, we should point that out because Alde is going to have a little bit of the physical size advantage. He's going to be the stronger fighter here overall. Alde is a tremendous fighter. I mean, he's kind of been a home homegrown combate fighter for a while now so he's gotten a lot of uh, good quality fights under his umbrella under the combate organization which has been nothing but great and and all day man i mean he's fun to watch on the feet he's technical he's powerful uh he's accurate there's no question about it he likes to push forward he can absorb punishment the guy has a really solid chin overall uh, but he has been ro- hurt he's been rocked a little bit so that you know that defense does lack at times a little bit but i do like his boxing I mean, it's very clean he's got a good clinch game good to go along with it and he throws solid kicks all day does as well mid low um you know even th- mixes in some high kicks as well nice body uh Nice takedown, body-like type of takedowns that he's capable of doing as well. Um, and he's got solid takedown defense. So this is going to be a very typical fight for Sanchez. I'm glad everybody realizes what they're getting with all day. He's a very good fighter and capable of beating a guy like Sanchez, even though Sanchez is a more experienced fighter. That said, I still think overall, though, from what I've seen throughout their careers, I know that Sanchez is going to be outsized. I think Sanchez is still the better fighter at this point of his career. That's why I opened him the very slight favorite. A pick-em type of fight, but Sanchez's skill set, that I think is better to justify him actually opening as a favorite. I think he's going to be the better fighter on the ground. Again, he's faced high-level competition, although Alde is definitely going to bring it, and he's capable of doing some damage against Sanchez. Sanchez has been in there with a lot of great fighters in his time. I mean, a lot of good, powerful punchers, a lot of good ground practitioners as well. So I think what's going to happen here is he's going to be able to, again, kind of feel this fight out as it progresses a little bit, and, and he's going to be the one um, utilizing that experience, getting himself into good positions. Um, his stand-up isn't that bad either. I think he can definitely have some success against Alde. He doesn't want to get in a firefight back and forth because punch for punch, power for power, Alde is the better, harder hitter. So I think Sanchez is going to be the one absorbing a little bit more punishment. But that said, Sanchez is a tough dude. He's not going to go anywhere, I don't think. I think he's going to come to fight, and as the fight progresses, I think Sanchez is going to hop on Alde's back. He's going to look for those chokes. He's going to find himself in good positions, maybe get a takedown or two along the way, and make this an interesting type of fight and of course the short notice does bother me a bit um with sanchez coming in here but he's always the type of fighter that's in shape he's always prepared he's coming obviously from decent training partners as we all know having that ufc background and i think he's going to be more than prepared to come in here it's a three-round fight it's not a five-round main event so i'm i'm fairly confident sanchez can go three rounds um decent so i'm expecting him to kind of pull off the upset and what is an upset now um, for Alde here. So it should be a good fight. Wouldn't be shocked if Alde does do enough damage to finish him along the way or edge out the scorecards. But in my opinion, I think Sanchez is the better overall fighter. He's the more technical fighter. He's the more experienced fighter. And I think he finds a way to get this done, whether it's kind of outsmarting and outpointing Alde or maybe even getting a submission finish. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Sanchez actually finds a submission on the ground against Alde as well. So I think Sanchez is the better fighter. So a dog money, 
despite everybody, even some sharp opinion coming in on Alde early on, I'll go on the other side now. I'll take that plus money on Sanchez for sure. So my pick is Sanchez to win the fight. And at dog price, there is a little bit of value there for sure. So that'll do it for our event breakdown for Combate Americas 46 in Tucson. Special thanks to Bet DSI. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.